Hello, my name is Wang Yan, and I'm a reporter with News China. With our weekly podcast, we aim to provide insight into the trends and happenings in modern China through a historical lens. Today, we continue to discuss how Qing Dynasty Emperor Qianlong holds Confucius in high esteem in order to stabilize his reign where Han nationality dwell. After the Qing dynasty established its rule over the heartland of China, the region known as Zhongyuan in the lower and middle reaches of the Yellow River, centered on the region between Luoyang and Kaifeng in Henan province, the Manchus fully controlled the country. Although setting up a unified dynasty, there were fewer people and Manchus culture was less developed than in Zhongyuan, which was perceived as the birthplace of Chinese civilization. As a result, Qing dynasty rulers attached great importance to relations with the scholars of Han nationality in order to consolidate their regime. A measure with the most significant political implication was the worship of Confucius and Confucianism. Chinese historians argue that after entering the Zhongyuan region, ruling ethnic minorities would be assimilated by the Han culture, which is an acculturation process called Sino-Secession. Mark C. Eliot, a professor of Chinese and Inner Asia history at Harvard University, however, argued that the success of Qing dynasty hinges on its capacity to return the peculiarity of the Inner Asia, the Manchu characteristics. His new Qing history theory, an approach to the specific history that emphasizes the importance of Manchu political and military institutions in giving the last Chinese empire its particular shape and identity, has a strong impact in academic circles. According to the new Qing history, Qianlong had two phases. One was the emperor of the Han nationality when he was in the Forbidden City in Beijing. The other was the Khan of Inner Asia, who received chiefs of ethnic groups at Ruhe Inspection Palace, or Chengde Summer Resort, which lies in the long, narrow valley in the north of Chengde, Hebei province, some 200 kilometers north of Beijing. The two phases are united, not separated. And because of their unity, China established a solid rule and governance over Mongolia, Xinjiang, Tibet, and other regions in the Qing dynasty, laying the geographical and political landscape of today's China as a unified, multi-ethnic country. The two phases or dual roles of the Qing emperors precisely illustrate the pluralistic integration of the Chinese nationalities and China. This is the background to understand the Ten Ceremonial Utensils and the story behind Qianlong and Confucius. When Qianlong awarded the utensils to the Temple of Confucius, he believed the ten pieces were made during the Zhou Dynasty. Researchers, however, discovered that three pieces were actually made during the Shang Dynasty. If Qianlong had known, he would not have mixed the Shang bronzes with the Zhou bronzes. Confucius once said, the Zhou dynasty puts rites, including sacrificial ceremonies and court protocol 
as the core of the governance system, which he advocated a lot. The Shang and the Zhou were not only the successors of two dynasties, but also the transformation of two governance modes. The worship of ghosts, force, and killing constituted the ruling tone of the Shang dynasty. The worship of heaven and protection of the people, patriarchal system of apportionment, as well as ritual civilization formed the basis of the political system of the Zhou dynasty. The ritual civilization of the Zhou dynasty is very different from the system that emphasized the coercive power, which advocated the legitimacy of power in terms of culture and psychology, which reduced the competition and conflict within the ruling class and increased the flexibility of the governance itself. Qianlong's courtesy to Confucius was based on such a recognition and understanding of the ritual system of ancient Chinese civilization. There are also many legendary stories about the ten ceremonial utensils. Ever receiving the bronze wares, the Kong family mansion regarded them as the supreme treasure. They were first stored in the depository warehouse and later moved to the inner chambers. In 1885, the mansion caught fire, but there were women living in the inner chambers, and male firefighters were not allowed to enter. The ladies and maids were unable to put out the fire, although they survived, and the fire burned fiercely. Fortunately, Kong Lingyi, the eldest grandson of Confucius, in the 76th generation, was very fond of picking opera. At this moment, there was a troop in the mansion, and Kong ordered the martial arts players to cross the wall and save the ten wares from the fire. Kong De Mao, a daughter of Kong Lingyi, recalled the fire burned for three days, and all seven buildings of Kong family mansion were reduced to ashes. There are two famous lines in the classic of poetry, the oldest existing collection of Chinese poetry comprising 305 works dating from the 11th to 7th centuries BCE. Though Zhou was an old state, its mission was the reform. The ten ceremonial utensils imply the supreme ruler's respect for the ancient Chinese intellectual tradition and ritual civilization, which manifests unity in the diversity of traditional Chinese culture. That is end of our podcast. Thank you to our writer Zhang Yue, translator Du Guodong, and copy editor Keith Nadi. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. See you next time.